Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Bucks Nation? We are back. It's Real Bucks Talk. It's a Monday, so that means it's a live stream. And we have a special guest. Uh, always, you know, Mark Ramirez is with me, but we have Jess Root here with us uh, from Cards Wire and also Rise Up See Red. I think I got that right. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> man, it's awesome to have you back on. We had you on for a podcast. Um, and we also got a dog in the show. That's awesome. Uh, but, but, uh, we had, uh, you on a couple years back when the, the bucks actually signed Bruce Arians and you gave us a lot of knowledge about what, you know, to expect from him. So it's just awesome to, you know, get some, uh, insight again. And, um, first of all, I mean, how are you doing and, and what's, uh, what's new in, in life? Well, I've hit almost five years with, with cards wire, um, just did our, 301st show on the podcast this last this past week so awesome. everything cardinals land is but that was after the the five years at, at cards why was after the six years i was with sb nation so um i'm i'm over a decade into this now yeah no that's awesome mark well, a whole lot of a whole lot of time and effort right i mean that's yeah, yeah it is yeah so I guess welcome back to the show. It's like I was saying before the show, like it's cool to put a face to the to the voice, but and and the dog to the voice too. But uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, so let's let's get into this. So obviously, Mike was talking about how we first had you on, talking about what to expect out of the offense, defense, stuff like that. So the biggest question is, did you see this happening? Like this quick rise to okay, one year Jameis, uh, it was iffy, barely. Seven to nine season, then now all the way to the Super Bowl run. Did you see something like that out of a Bruce Arians type offense, Todd Bowles type defense? Did you think it would be possible? Honestly, getting Tom Brady was was a game changer. Well, and then not only that is then adding the other veteran pieces like Gronkowski, uh, Leonard Fournette. Those were all critical things that that he could do now we kind of saw the same thing with the cardinals because in 2013 his first year they started real slow they finished 10 and 6 missed the playoffs then that very next year they went they started the season nine and one and that's when carson palmer went down and then that probably honestly that's the big what if year for for us is what if carson hadn't gone down with the acl because they they i as good as they were in 2015, they're in some ways defensively, they were better than in 2015. And that, I think that was because in 2015 it was James Betcher was the first year that that Bulls was gone and, and James Betcher took over. In 2014 was that really kind of special looking year. And then they built on that in 2015. So honestly, the the way that they like 30 interception Jameis, and they still were, they're pretty all right. And so it really wasn't a surprise to see them do that well, especially when you add a guy like Brady, who you know is, is he elevates everyone around him just by being Tom Brady. And 
and I it was kind of how I figured is because Arian's offense isn't the easiest to pick up initially, and even though Tom's numbers Tom's numbers were fantastic, they were fantastic, and and even still things started a little slowly over the course of the year and had a couple hiccups and. And that's the crazy thing is people watching Brady on tape are saying, yeah, he's he's not Tom Brady. But you look at the the sum of, of the production and you're like, that's one of his best statistical years since, you know, since the undefeated season. Yes, look at this. He had 4,600 yards, 40 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. I mean, that – and then the <laughs> tough first year in Bruce Arians, like that's what everyone was saying. Oh, it's not going to happen because – Everyone does terrible. That's why Jameis had 30 interceptions. And then Tom Brady comes over here with 40 and 12, which is insane if you think about it. <laughs> well, Jameis is James, – I mean, super talented. Oh, absolutely. He is, he is a gunslinger. He he does it, – it's – Carson was a lot of the same way. Like He was turnover prone up until the last couple of years because he's like, I can make that throw. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what it is with Jameis. Is like I can make that throw. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got the power to throw anywhere. Right, and it's that super confidence that that actually bites them in the butt because, like, I see a hole, I see a window, I can get it in there, and they fail to see the safety that's oh, that's waiting to get it or or whatever. And so it'll be interesting to see what Jameis does in New Orleans oh, yeah. right. following. Following Breeze, oh. yeah, that's a tall, that's a tall order. Yeah. That's not going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, do you think he beats out uh, Taysom Hill, or do you think that Taysom Hill gets it first? I mean, Jameis has got to win that job, right? Taysom Taysom Hill is really intriguing, but as a quarterback, I'm like, they right. protected him a lot. Peyton protected him a lot, mm-hmm. and that you know, see. And the arm talent just isn't the same at all. But, I mean, Drew Brees' arm talent was not that great by the last couple of years. You could, his downfield throws, you could you could see just the, the effort with which he had to get the ball down the field. Mm. All right. So, I got some scheme questions. You said that Bruce Arians' offense down the field, harder to learn the first first year. Did you see a big change after the bye week? Like the more play action fakes, the more motions out of the supposed Bruce Arians offense. Do you think he molded a little bit to Tom Brady in that fashion to get this offense to work? Actually, he likes, like, everyone says that he hates to run the ball. Like, Mm. he loves play action. That's that's kind of his bread and butter. He, he, He likes a power run scheme. And then to the push the ball down the field, they did that a lot um, when they had an effective run game uh, here with the Cardinals. And he does like to spread it out, but that's on that's on like third down, like first and second down. He likes to get into big formations and, and do play action. That's when his his game is most effective um, is the threat of that run game. And, and he is one who will bail on the run game if they're down. A, couple of scores because he wants to get back in it. Um, but he has, he has no problem with running the ball and he likes to have a, a strong back. And I, honestly, the, the way that, that Ronald Jones played for a lot of the years, like he is like, he did way better. He looks like a much better back than I thought that he was. Hmm. There's just opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he was definitely a workload, you know, back, you know, towards most of the season. And then unfortunately, he, he ran into COVID and then he also got, you know, I think he broke his finger as well. So that kind of led the way to Leonard Fournette. And then we all saw, you know, what Leonard Fournette did in the playoffs, you know, playoff Lenny. And, um, you know, he, he had a he had very a lot of success. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is definitely a question we're facing here in the offseason as Bucks fans. It's like, what do we do at the running back position? Because you know, you don't have uh, Rojo or Leonard under contract for next year. So it's like, you know, you know, who is going to be that guy going forward? Um, but, you know, back to the schemes, you know, and then you look at what we're doing defensively. I think 
we finally saw what Todd Bowles defense is all about. But I also think Todd Bowles made some adjustments too. I mean, he was playing, I think it was because of the Vita Vey injury. I think because of him being out, they, they played a lot more zone coverage, but I, you know, I know Todd likes to do zone coverage, but they played more aggressive man coverage and really fit what these cornerbacks do well. Um, did you see the same, like how he kind of mixed it up there in the playoffs a, a lot better? I thought like, Primarily, he loves to blitz and then use man coverage on the outside when he's got guys that could do it. And I think, honestly, what the difference maker, well, the well, what it ended up being is the difference is they're just unrelentless pressure up front. They have talented defensive backs. The cornerbacks that y'all have are are solid, but. Mm-hmm. It was really, if you look at how they built that defense, they built it with pressure up front. That disruption is what caused problems for, for Patrick Mahomes. And they just couldn't they couldn't handle it. And when when Bulls can get pressure up front, and he almost didn't have to scheme much of it, he already likes to blitz it. It's fun. I remember a quote from years ago and of why he blitzes. And he doesn't just blitz to get to the quarterback just to get an extra rusher. He talks about run blitzes. He will sometimes blitz to it. Sometimes it is to keep a back from going out. It's to mm-hmm. keep the, especially if you've got a, if, if you've got a pretty good receiving back, if you blitz, it forces him to stay in. And right. so you take away one of the weapons doing that way. And so uh, I think just the, the, the ability to get pressure both inside and out, um, just made everything else work. They, they, the as Vance Joseph likes to say it here. I don't. I, I haven't heard other coaches talk about. But when you can marry the pressure with the coverage, mm-hmm. it really is just dynamic. Because is because Bowles, he's a defensive backs guy to begin with, and so he he played DB, and so his ability to to work the coverage part and, and match that up with the pressure up front. And it doesn't help. I mean, it doesn't hurt when the talent that mm-hmm. Tampa had up front, I mean, with Vita Vey, you see, so you've got Indomitian Sue still, I mean, tremendous player. Then you got Shaq Barrett. Um, he, he was tremendous <laughs> as well. I mean, it, you just had, and then on top of that, you add into the middle of the field, that pairing of Levante David and Devin, and you like they eat space. Those are the types of linebackers that that you don't have to take off the field because they can do it all. They move sideline to sideline. They're smart. They're strong, and, and those are it's perfect for for Todd Bowles. And I think I didn't I tell you guys I think Levante David was going to be perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like yeah. he's going to be great. Um, I can't remember what I what I told you guys about a Gerald McCoy. We never really got a chance to see that because they were like, eh. yeah, well, like, that ain't gonna fit in this one. <laughs> mm. And I thought he would have been fine too. But Levante David, I, I felt would be would be great because inside backers in his in his scheme are super productive. And that that's something I wanted to kind of touch on because that you were you were harping it over and over in that two year ago podcast of how he likes to build big defensive tackles in the, in the front and then linebackers that lo- love how to blitz, love blitzing, getting in the A-gaps. We kept fighting it because, like, we were of the notion of, like, we didn't like positional positional value of, like, a linebacker top five. And then we we're fighting it, fighting it, and then all of a sudden Devin White gets to the pick, and he's, like, the ultimate perfect yes for this system, for this scheme. And I'm like, holy, why the hell were we fighting it? We just go <laughs> what it was. So like I want just just to kind of touch on that again, like the Todd Bowles defense of like because everyone's like, oh, let's draft this guy, let's draft this guy, and that's how we were before we listened to your words, and now it's come to fruition. What this defense turned into, like what again, like just give us the mold of what the defensive tackle is in a Todd Bowles scheme, and where where does the pressure come from? Truly, is it yeah the middle of the defense where the middle linebackers are blitzing, or is he re- value edge rushers? speedy edge rushers no or where is it funneled to he really likes strong uh bigger stronger edge rushers like he like who who doesn't who doesn't mind a speedy red but because they like like he wants um 
He wants an outside backer who can also set the edge. And so even when the Cardinals, he would use a guy like Matt Shaughnessy, who was who was big. He was a 280, 285 pounder, and they moved him out to the edge. Now he wasn't a, he wasn't a three down player, but they used him early on rundowns and was very good at setting the edge. So his preference is a guy who is about 260, 265, who can, who can move. That's what made Chandler Jones so really good for him because he gave him that flexibility that way. But he will typically look for guys that are, uh, that are, that are stronger and bigger um, who have length as well. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of like, you kind of looking at some of the things if you now, granted, these premier pass rushers, they're not going to be like, oh, actually, this year's class is, is kind of interesting because you have some big, fast guys that'll go early, but there are some, there's some intrigue a little bit later, that, a little bit later that, that necessarily are more specialized. They may not be of the same type of like prototype, like the Everett Down. But something something Bulls could definitely use, and, and he's he's not afraid to to swap guys out in, in in specific roles. Like he had, like for example, Matt Shaughnessy, who was a who was a defensive, more of a four three defensive end, but was great against the run. They didn't have any problem with moving him out. Um, he he didn't always stand up, so he sometimes plays with his hand as the dirt. Uh, but they move him out there, and you still use him to set the edge to build that defense because defensively what they want to do is they want to push the ball to the middle where you've got those playmaking linebackers who can get free. They, he, he is very, he does like a traditionally big defensive tackle, like up in the middle. Preferably now he does like some position versatility. So he can use your traditional two down nose tackle. But if you've got a guy that can shift a little bit, um, that works as well. Like Vita Vea is is, flexi- is versatile enough that he can he can go from the one to a three technique when you when you go with when you go with the even front. Go ahead, Bob. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, what do you think of, I mean, me and Mark have been having this discussion all day, you know, Miami's pro day was, you know, earlier. And uh, what do you think of like a Greg Rousseau in this type of scheme? Do you do you see him as a potential fit? He is a guy that's like, everything I read is super polarizing about him that a perfect fit might be a Calais Campbell role, but that will not make him the most productive. Calais became super productive. Like he was solid. He was good um, playing that three, four DE. Like they don't actually call them defensive ends for mm-hmm. for classifications. You got well early on. They would have a nose tackle, a DT, and a DE, and then they moved it. They changed it, terminate. But it would actually it was in part to kind of help their their interior guys to make the Pro Bowl because. A three-four D defensive end is almost impossible to get into the Pro Bowl because all the defensive ends are edge rushing four-three yeah. guys, mm-hmm. and and Calais always played inside. I, if you can get him to play with the same type of motor that Calais did, some people say put him out the edge. His best role is probably in that that Calais role that he had with the Cardinals. But Jalen Phillips, I think, is the one that might be the more talented guy. Yeah. Rousseau, I hear, I hear really up and down. Like if you watch the tape, like it, one of one of the guys that, like he's a sloth. Like he's not. <laughs> <laughs> like there's talent, and there's some production, but you don't like necessarily how it happens. Right, the process. Yeah, the process is all over the place for me. But I mean, if, if he could be that five tech and maybe you work him in like a, you know, kind of similar to a Richard, Richard Seymour, you know, kind of like that, where he would play, you know, that five tech role and you let him pass rush. I mean, from the inside, I feel like that's where his best strength is. He can't win on the edge. Um, I mean, he hasn't shown it yet. So, you know, maybe he develops into something, but uh, 
Yeah, that was just like a debate we were having earlier. Just want to get your thoughts. I, I agree that Phillips is the guy. Um, but again, he's probably going to be, you know, going high, you know, top oh, yes. 20 pick for sure. Um, if the medicals check out, you know, which I think they will. Um, so yeah, he's probably going, but I mean, so you, you're looking at this draft class and just trying to pair fits, you know, obviously, you know, we want bigger, stronger guys up front. You look at like a, um, maybe like a Joe Tryon out of Washington. You think like that, you know, that kind of mold is what we're looking for. I think well. Christian Barmore fits. You like, most I, I think he would be really good. You think so in this game? Okay. That's interesting. Okay. So, so you're thinking of the so three techniques or more. I think I see him as a more of a three technique. Do you think he can play like a oh, – go ahead, go ahead. Well, here's the thing is that even in – like even though Bulls' scheme is a three-four scheme, they go nickel most of the time anyway. And so you end up with you, – you take the nose tackle and you basically got – an even front where they're playing mm. the three technique and, and he, he, I'll go back to Darnell Dockett back in the day. Yeah. So I have to, I have to bring it back a long time. He yeah. didn't love the scheme as much because it asked a little different things. Like he loved, he loved to get up field and, and mm. they are, they are somewhere between a traditional two gap and uh, penetrating because it, it, it interesting because Vance Joseph's defense, it's, which is a Wade Phillips scheme, and, and Bowles have some similarities. They're not perfectly even, but if you look at the offenses that really give them trouble, um, it's Sean Payton's, mm. Sean the, the Saints, and, and the Panthers as well because they run they ran the same type of offense with Joe Brady there it's that sort of offense just really is kryptonite to those to those defenses um so i think i, I don't think christian barmore would be i mean talent and for me you want if you t- if you have guys that aren't uber talented like they aren't the top 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 then you go more scheme now a guy like barmore is going to be able to be productive in a number of roles. Like a lot of people thought Vita Vea might only be a nose tackle. Mm-hmm. He's more than that. Uh-huh. He's more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my only concern with Barmore is he doesn't stop the run well at all. He's just trying to shoot gaps. That's why I see him as just a gap shooter. He's and like all the main thing he asks his defensive tackles to do is stop the run first and then get after the pass after. I think Barmore doesn't really think that way. He's just, He's going to go no matter what into a gap. He doesn't really read anything else. And we, we do a lot of film studies here, and that's what we, we saw. That could be. So that, that, that's what like, Robert Kimdichie, when the Cardinals took him, that was his main yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. Not thinking of what it could be. It's just thinking, I just going to hit a gap. That's all. It's like, are you really thinking yeah. that much into it or not? Like, you're <laughs> a beast athletically. Don't get me wrong. I loved him coming into the draft, and I'm like, this dude's a moron, though. Like, literally just <laughs> – Seriously, he literally on measurables and like, yeah, like the combine blew it out of the water. And then all of a sudden, you see him on playing, you're like, What the hell is he doing? Come on. But, but then again, he had a whole other bunch of issues up, like, mm-hmm. off too. But yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's always, I mean, draft coming up, it's like, what, 30 days away. So people are going to be talking, who are we getting? What's going on? Yeah, we have Kawab. Braden over here saying we should just draft best player available. I fully agree. That's what the well, that's what you have to determine. Who is that best player? <laughs> what and and our draft board's gonna look different than Jason Light's draft board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know Jason Light, who worked with Steve Kime over here in Arizona, that that's how they go. And they they, I'm sure he probably builds it the same way. Builds the the draft board kind of the same way where they rank their players like one to 300 or whatever. And then they put their team filter on them and get it down to about 120 players. Mm-hmm. So their board ends up being 120 players. So a lot of guys, a, a lot of players that, you know, one team might have with a first round get grade, Tampa might have off their board for whatever reason. Yeah. That's like what Keyshawn Vaughn last year. Everyone's like, why did we take him? There's so many other re- running backs on the board. Mm-hmm. BA flat out came out and said, 
what, what do you know about our board? We don't. <laughs> I love the way he says stuff like that too. Mm. I mean, so yeah, so the draft, it's, you don't know. Like that's why mm. we get guys on like you that tell us like what to value. Cause you nailed it on the head with Devin white and we kept fighting it and fighting it. So it's more, what is it? What, where do they value players? Certainly like what is a typical type of dude that fits this? Obviously we know the length, in size at corner, man corners. We know that. Bigger defensive tackles, middle linebackers they love. There's just more trying to figure out areas of where they're going to go after. But let's jump off the, the draft since there's going to be so much talk over this. So everyone is wondering, and plus you have the Cardinals coverage, what's going on with Larry Fitzgerald? Is he already gone because A.J. Green's in there? And do you think there'd be ever a reunion with him and B.A. here in Tampa? Um, based on what he has said publicly before, I think there's virtually zero chance he plays for anyone else other than the Cardinals. So as, as fun as people like, Oh, he could like, we've been talking about this for years is like, Oh, he could go back home to play for Minnesota. Well, now you've got BA and you've got Tom Brady. Cause he was, you know, there was a couple of years where trading him to the Patriots was always on the table back. We're dating back almost 10 years now. And it's like, Get him a ring with Tampa with, with Tom Brady in, in New England. I'm going to go by this. He hasn't told us he's going to play yet, which probably means he's retiring. And he's always been he's he's never been one. And he he said I'm not going to have a big press conference. Um, it might be as simple as leaking a report to a guy like Jim Trotter, who's who's report who's been the guy who's reported that he's coming back. Um, or he announces it himself, but it'll be something subtle. He has always told us by this point, and the longer it goes, is the less likely that he's going to come back and play. You look at the production last year; it was his lowest. They were his, his lowest numbers of his career. He caught COVID. He mm-hmm. played banged up, and he was hurt enough to miss that season finale. He was really working through a groin injury and he couldn't even get on. He couldn't even dress for the final game. And he's still been around here because he's been, because he's a part owner with the Phoenix Suns here in the NBA and he's super visible with the Suns. So while he isn't saying he knows and the team isn't saying he knows or they know, I think the writing's on the wall because I think the Cardinals in part, one of the reasons why Fitz was willing to come back is the Cardinals were in a, willing to pay him 11 and a three quarters million. <laughs> they, I mean, it, it, Fitzgerald quietly has been very much about getting paid. He, I don't know if he would come back for one of those vet minimum deals that, that guys often take or, mm-hmm. or have to take to stick around in the league. When he's talked about his ability to produce at a high level, and I think last year might have hit, like, there was another season like this, I think it was 2014, when I saw what was some athletic mortality because he was really banged up. And that 2014 year, honestly, he looked tired. I thought thought he was going to retire then. And then he had the three-year run of over 100 catches. And I think 2015 really energized him. Because the only thing he has left in his career is one in a ring. And that's, he said, that's the only reason I would come back is if I think we can do that. Now, the Cardinals have put together a pretty nice team. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, at least talent-wise on paper, they filled some (laughs) needs. And and this is, I mean, if this were 2013, this would be an all-star team. But... But I think I think they're the way they're doing it because they've got some young talent. They've got and it's kind of doing it. We're going for it in these next two years while Kyler Murray's on a rookie deal. Guys like JJ Watt and AG Green, those are guys that Larry would definitely love to play with. I just think he knows he's probably done. And and now if if it's were to come back, it would be a case where he'd be a number four receiver. And uh, I don't know how. Yeah. I, I don't know how. Like he's a great teammate, but I don't know how satisfied he would be to be riding the coattails as a as a reserve on a potential championship run. Like he would love he would love to be part of a championship, but he wants to be part of a championship run. 
Like he he accepted his role. I mean, he was unhappy about changing roles when when BA was here and it moved him to the slot. But he understands now it, it extended his career. It's what gave him three more hundred yard, I mean, hundred catch seasons. And so, uh, long story short, once we got to past February and he didn't make an announcement, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's coming back because I don't think there will be a team that will pay him enough. I don't think any other team the last few years would have paid him the 11 to $12 million. And one of the reasons why he kept coming back because the Cardinals were willing to pay him twelve million dollars. I mean, how many play? How many jobs are you going to have? Like he, he has a ton of business ventures, but to do what he's always been doing to get twelve million dollars in a year, there aren't many things that do that. So, someone asked, is just trying to convince us to stay away from this bad Fitzgerald? <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't think it'll. I don't think yeah. even if BA came calling, that Fitz would even consider it because mm-hmm. he knows what his legacy it is. Um, he's not a ring chaser like he wants to win, but he also doesn't want that as part of his legacy. Cause he's played 17 seasons with the Cardinals. He knows what his legacy is as a player. It's intact. And he said he won't play for anyone else of the Cardinals. So that would be yeah. backtracking for something he's previously said. Like you just said, 409 yards, only one touchdown mm. averaged only 7.6. He's never below 10. That's yeah. bad. That's, that's low career yeah. low. That's yes, it. yes. It, and he was he's been for a few years, and I joke I say this respectfully and jokingly, kind of a glorified tight end. Not exactly, <laughs> but not exactly. But he's he was playing that Heinz Ward role that yeah. they had in Pittsburgh, which was a it wasn't just a receiver because he, he he gets asked to block a lot, which he's willing to do. It's not his favorite thing, but he loves like he's willing to do it, and he does a really good job of it. And it allows you to keep a receiver on the field to do some of those those things in the run game without having to bring a tight end into the game. And so he's mm-hmm. he's been playing tight end ish without actually being a tight end for about yeah. five years now. Gain twenty yeah. pounds, join Gronk in the tight end room. There you go. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, we, we see it with Chris Godwin, you know, but Chris Godwin is a different beast. He's just, you know, more explosive. He can work on the outside. So there's just different things um, that he presents. But yeah, Larry, you know, always, he's always going to be a legend. But yeah, I, I think he's leaning towards retirement. Um, so next question for me, I know we're running short on time, but uh, next question for me is, uh, well, who do, who do you want? at 16th overall. I know I'm going back to draft, but like, who are you, who do you want the most? uh, If you could pick them at 16, you know, I don't have, because the Cardinals could do a lot of different things. I think my favorite, honestly, my favorite might be Devontae Smith. I don't know there. I've got, I've got a number of players that I would be really happy with. Um, JC Horn is the guy that's been like mm. he's been mocked to the Cardinals over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> so I would love that. I would love one of those top three corners. Caleb Farley, I'm a little more gun shy on now. Yeah. Yeah. The back injury I, is serious. I also, I also think that, and and this is something that he's been out of sight, out of mind. A guy that I also like Greg Newsom a heck of a lot. I think he's he's a sneaky good one. Um, but you could also get some value instead of going going round one corner. A guy like Stanford's Paulson Adebo Ade, mm. Adebo would be sneaky good because one he didn't play this last year, so he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Mm. If you look at the the ball skills or the production, he's average. What he I think he had. 35 combined interceptions slash passes defended, pass breakups in 22 games. It's something insane. So averaging somewhere between like about one and a half per, but basically about three per every uh, three per two games. He's getting his hands on, on balls constantly. Mm. He's got the length. He's got the physicality. He's got the, obviously a Stanford guy has got, got some smarts there too. Um, So I think I honestly, here's, I want to I would love Najee Harris. Yeah. It's it's a it's a totally it's totally a luxury pick. But uh, if you're going to lean into getting that offense, 
great. They added A.J. Green, which is going to slide Christian Kirk in. I mean, everyone's saying Kyle Pitts. There's no way Kyle Pitts is going to be. He's not going to be there at number 16. So obviously he'd be a no-brainer. But I think Najee Harris becomes the perfect complement. Travis Etienne would be great too. But I think Travis Etienne and Chase Edmonds are almost the same guy. So Mm -hmm. Etienne is essentially a big school, more productive. So a big school, perhaps more talented Chase Edmonds. Najee Harris... I don't think you can go wrong with that pick zero. Like he will, he can help in the past game. He's super physical. Um, he gives you a different running style than Edmonds does. And so you get the complementary styles going and their running game, which was so good would be even better. So they wouldn't have to rely on Kyler's legs to make their running game. Great. And that's yeah. almost how it was the last season and a half is, the running game was great, was very good from was solid from the running backs, but it was great because of Kyler's legs. And with his if his running was limited at all, the running game was so so. I think mm-hmm. with a guy like Najee Harris would take that to another level. So it doesn't affect it, doesn't change the need it at uh, at cornerback, um, pass rusher that they could use. Um it doesn't take take care of the offensive line, which is, I mean, that would be more of a future pick because I think any offensive lineman that they would draft wouldn't play as a rookie probably. And that would probably make Cardinals fans upset. Pretty damn good for us. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but honestly, like if, if I had to pick like a receiver would be dynamic um, because you got A.G. Green for one year, you might – if Christian Kirk shows that he's eh, again, you can move on from him and and when we so a Devonte Smith or Najee here. So basically, Alabama, yeah, Alabama would be great. <laughs> so, sounds like sounds, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I wish I could. I have a little audio clip of it, but I messed up. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm still blown away. You guys got let Hassan Reddick go. That's what I'm still kind of blown away by. Let me put it to you this way. Um, as as promising as he was, the, even the Cardinals were, mm. I think, weren't sold that he could duplicate that. Mm. Um, and also, this, so when they decided to get J.J. Watt, Reddick became um, expendable. expendable because mm. Watt, like, frankly, because if they're going to use Watt the way that he's been used in the last decade of his career is that he's going to play inside and out. Like he's going to start inside at, at a, at the at the defensive end position and then kick out to the edge on passing downs. And you've already got Chandler Jones. What's Hassan Reddick going to do on passing downs? And so his playing time and his role. So in terms of how you allocate resources, is bringing back Marcus Golden at two million a year makes much more sense than to pay Hassan eight million a year when he's not going to get the playing time that he did last year, and you're going to be asking him to do more run defense, which he's he's capable of doing because he has athleticism, but he is a very undersized guy to play the edge, and he I mean. Last year when they moved him out there, I was never convinced that he could be more than a than a role player. And he proved me wrong. So because he was he was playing almost every almost hundred percent of the snaps when he when he went in there after Chandler Jones went down and he more than held his own. So I'm interested to see how how he turns out when he becomes now a he still will be on the uh, granted, he's gonna be a defensive end. So he's gonna have to be even stronger against the run on those rundowns. And so, but yeah, his role would have been diminished, which diminishes the value. And so it was a case of, would you rather have JJ Watt for the next two years, even an older JJ Watt than a Hassan Reddick, as you're trying to kind of really lean into pushing for a ring before Kyler's 
contract kicks in, which is going to be, it's going to be enormous. Mm. It's going to be enormous. And so that's ultimately, ultimately what Reddick like, was let go is because if, if he was going to get paid what he, what he deserved to get paid, his role would not have fit that. Right. And a Marcus Gold in it that what he two years and five million, that's perfect. Mm. Now he's mm. not as I don't think he's as dynamic against the run as Reddick could be. And but even as as it is, they still have Devon Kennard. I don't think they're going to keep him. Devon Kennard is actually the perfect type of player to complement JJ Watt because he is so strong on the edge and so disciplined and very good against the run. And so you get that plus he, so Golden who can come in and, and he'll play some in base. He'll spell either one of those players, um, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, and, and Nickel. That allows Vance Joseph to use his his fun. Like he had a, a no defensive line. He had a zero, a zero six uh, <laughs> scheme for passing down. That was I, honestly that, that we might not see that this year because that was all about because they had no defensive linemen healthy with mm-hmm. with J.J. Watt and Chandler and, and Jordan Phillips. They should shouldn't have to use that this next year. And then you get Dennis Gardeck coming back probably mid-season from the torn ACL. 93 defensive snaps and seven sacks. He's a perfect complementary, um, almost a gadget piece for specific um, for specific packages that you have while he's dynamic on special teams. And you give him a little role on defense and he can get that. And, and just Reddick. Reddick didn't fit as well with J.J. Watt in the lineup unless you were going to keep J.J. Watt on the interior the whole time, which kind of defeats some of the purpose of having JJ Watt because he can still win on the edge. Yeah. No, that, no, that's great. That's a great answer. I think it, it just goes into like you were talking about as far as value and, and, and playing time and all that stuff kind of, you know, it hinged on it and they're like, you know, we just gotta, we have to use our resources better and we're going to let, you know, Reddit go for what he deserves as far as contract, et cetera, um, and have a chance to play elsewhere. So, and you have the draft where you can, you know, find cheaper guys that can do similar things. Jalen Phillips might fall into their laps at, at pick 16. That would be a perfect pick. And consider Chandler's in his last year, though there are some whispers that the uh, an extension's happening. To be able to draft a guy like Phillips in Chandler's contract year, seamless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll, we'll see. Well, the, the crazy things have happened. I mean, look what the Dolphins are doing and Moving up and down, it's like draft day all over again. It's craziness. I, I love football, <laughs> drama. It's, it's all crazy fun, and we're just along for the ride. It's amazing. Absolutely. Uh, but other than that, let, let's pause for a moment. We have a little sponsorship, little snippet I'd like to get to before we keep talking. But let's switch over to here. Our sponsor, Symbol, the stock market of sports. So what is this symbol stuff? Sports betting is rigged in favor of the sports books. Symbol is a long-term market to eliminate the sports books edge and give you back the upper hand. You can trade teams like stocks and earn cash every time your team wins. How's it work? Find your favorite team, the Bucks, or like Jess Root would do, the Cardinals. You earn win payouts. So every time your NFL team wins, you get 50 cents per share that you own. And then you can trade teams like stocks, buy low, sell high, sell overrated teams, Heck, just buy a low bold team like Cincinnati Bengals. Hope Joe Burrow takes them to the top. Sell high. Same stuff. Stock market. It's really cool. Train 4-7, 365. I mean, if you want to learn more about it, click the little video down there. Other than that, let's keep going on. Just, we're back. So mm-hmm. other than that, yeah, it's so the last little thing. So someone said they couldn't believe Patrick Peterson left and went to Minnesota. So I guess give your last little opinions on old Patrick P. Well, here's the thing. Um, they didn't say it. Exactly, but they didn't not say it. The Cardinals were ready to move on. They didn't intend on re-signing him. Mm. Kime was asked, um, well, one, didn't, he was asked, um, did you offer Pat a contract? And he, then he talked about, he equated it to the Adrian Wilson situation when he first took the GM job in 2013. And what was one of the first moves he did? He cut Adrian Wilson. Mm-hmm. Pat was a free agent, and so they just never offered. They never offered him a contract. He, in fact, when he was asked to do, he never answered that question. And then had on the uh, he was on a podcast with Steve Weish and, and Jim Trotter. They asked him, had there been a lower cap, had the cap not gone down, would Pat still be on the team? 
and we'll say for sure. And then he went into this other thing. So the, honestly, the Cardinals moved on from him. They just decided they wanted to go a different direction at cornerback. And Pat wanted to come back. He made that very public for the last year. Now, granted, Pat, I'm sure, wanted to be paid like the cornerback that he believes that he is. And so the one-year $8 million deal that he got with Minnesota is is probably about what that had, the Cardinals the Cardinals could have gotten. And he wanted he would have signed a multi-year deal with the Cardinals so he could have finished his year with, his career with them. But he is... He was still their best cover guy last year. He was still, when he was good, he was good. However, the bad was really bad. Mm. And so there were times when he was as dominant as he's ever been. But then there was other times where his bad was bad. He got beat really bad on a few things. And, and there are, like, as good as he is outside the numbers, teams know how to take him out of games. And that's by moving guys so mm-hmm. those those receivers that run through traffic it really limits kind of that that shutdown ability that he has which he still can do and i think the cardinals were ready to just okay before this turns ugly or we see a bat, massive decline they decided to move on which is kind of sad but the, his legacy is mostly in place i think He's he's implied that there's already plans for um, induction to the Ring of Honor here. Minnesota is an interesting fit for me. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have pegged him to there. I would have seen him in 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 Kansas City with Ty Matthew. I would have seen him in Tampa. I would have seen him perhaps in even in New York with the Jets with Robert Sala, who's who's done good things with guys like Richard Sherman. I did not see him in Minnesota, although what he said, I mean, what Mike Zimmer's done with with advanced corners in their career has has a team have a track record. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see, especially the Cardinals will face Pat P this this year as Minnesota comes to town. We'll get past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, then that, that's awesome. That's a I, I think you you read that perfectly. I think they just they're ready to move on and you know, it's, it was just time for him to go in, in a new direction and hopefully he does well in Minnesota. Um, but you know, with that said, uh, Jess, I know, uh, you probably got to get into the kitchen there soon. So, um, thank you again for coming on, uh, just let everyone know, you know, where they can find your work and, um, you know, where we can reach out to you if you want to talk football. Sure. Well, the, the, the site's easy. It's cards wire. It's part of the USA today, NFL wire cards, uh, the podcast, if you're into listening about the Cardinals, is Rise Up Sea Red. You can find it on you can find it anywhere where podcasts are distributed, and on Twitter you can find me at Senor Jess Roots S E N O R and my name Jess Roots. Not that hard. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm not the only Jess Root out there. There's some girl that teaches yoga on, <laughs> on the internet, so you might find her too. But but yeah, Jess Root Cardinals, you'll find me. Yeah, man. No, this has been great. Again, we appreciate the knowledge that you you bring and just, it was awesome talking for some, some football and, you know, I know everyone's ready for the draft coming up and just this whole off season has been a, a whirlwind. So, uh, but yeah, it was just great getting your insight as far as the schemes and, um, you know, talking some draft and so, yeah, we'll definitely have to do this again, hopefully uh, sometime soon, maybe after the draft or something like that. Or even better there's a playoff preview between the two teams oh, there we go yeah you got it <laughs> i can tell you yeah, that man. but yeah we'll, we'll let you go and again thank you so much for uh for joining us all right thanks for having me on guys appreciate yep. it yeah hey. no problem all right guys you, hear, you heard it there we're gonna get barmore it's a, a proven <laughs> you said Devin white the first time now it's barmore yeah mark you're an idiot <laughs> well, I guess I'm an idiot too, but it's like, you know, looking at Christian Barmore and yeah, I mean, I, I can see it because he does offer some pass rush ability. He is a different version of what we do have. Um, he can get up the field, like, like we said, and in, in our, you know, film study and yeah, he does have some pass rush ability. He can come in on third down and help you from that standpoint, but yeah, it needs a lot of coaching as far as just technique and really, holding it up against the run needs more strength and yeah, maybe he's a guy that they add more weight on, you know, he's got a frame that could, 
person, you know, he could do it. Um, so that'd be an interesting pick again. Uh, you know, we just have to wait and see, but again, that was awesome to have, uh, you know, just root on and just talking, you know, how the scheme works. It's all about power. It's about length. That's what they look for inside. Um, you know, on the outside, they want obviously athletic ability. Um, and then from the middle, you know, you're going to have those linebackers blitz and, you know, and it also, I, I don't think he mentioned, but we, you know, we cover it, you know, the defensive backs and, and safeties, you know, you like interchangeable safeties that can do multiple things. And then the corners that have to be, you know, long and press corners. We like that too. I mean, so a lot of the, that's why we kind of were talking about it. Plus mm -hmm. kind of bickering back and forth before the live stream about the Miami pro day. So like, that's, that's a big topic that was today. So mm -hmm. talking about all these guys that had an amazing pro day. So you look over, yeah, Jalen Phillips, we're talking about him six, five, almost six, six, two sixty. ran a four, five, six, 40 insane for a guy that size. I mean, yes athletically size why he has it all i think you guys have seen our film study of it and the big question mark was greg russo we have a, a film study in him as well his his broad jump was nine seven had like a four seven 40 yard dash it's he was mainly size you don't really see much in quickness or anything and plus mm -hmm. his bugaboo was he doesn't have much bend but i'm like if you use him correctly that's what we kind of asked jess root if you use him correctly mm -hmm as a five tech or something in my opinion that fits better for what we do stopping the run he's a power type of guy we're not looking for a bendy type of dude Shaq Barrett's the outlier I mean he's he's just a different type of animal in my opinion yeah. so he just fits more naturally in almost anything because of his his skill Greg Russo doesn't have that not many pass rushers at that time will probably have that either you can mm. throw it up but I mean if he's there I highly doubt he will be there but I'm just saying he would yeah. be a good fit in my opinion Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, more looking at it. I mean, if we do, like you said, plan from the five tech and you can develop him as far as using his, excuse me, his, his bend or not his bend, but his length and like using, you know, those arms to use, you know, bull rushes and power and, and push the pocket. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I'm confident in Jason too. I think he's going to knock it out of the park once again. Um, can't wait to see it. Uh, Golston is under contract, but you know, Rousseau, I, I, it would be very intriguing because yeah, he's got, you know, that size, he's, you know, six, 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 pretty much two seventy ish. And he, he did run a four seven, which is very impressive, but just doesn't have that lateral movement yet. You know, it's just not there. I don't know if you can develop that or not. Um, but you know, as far as going upfield and using his power, yeah, definitely. He could be, um, an asset for sure. And, you know, Obviously, you would play him inside, not put him on the edge, and not have him drop back. Maybe you know, maybe, maybe you could drop him back, but mostly going upfield. I mean, stunts, power, length, use that. I mean, I think Todd Bowles could use that perfectly. I mean, look at mm. uh, Anthony Nelson. He is not a guy that can cover in space, but they still let him do it because it fits the scheme. I mean, they're not going to put a guy to look like a moron out there. Yeah, <laughs> make it simpler on the guy. Yes. The powerhouses are your middle linebackers. We learned that the hard way. We kind of touched on that earlier in the pod. But, I mean, hey, it's trying to figure out what Todd Bowles likes, what does B.A. like, and putting it together to to kind of come to a conclusion of what, what they could draft. I mean, mm -hmm. no one really knows. Again, Keyshawn Vaughn was there high on their board. Everyone got pissed off. I mentioned that to you. Who cares? That's their board. Hell, Matt Gay was a pick by Jason Light. We get high on his board. So mm. we, we don't truly know. Some some picks you're going to get mad at, and then you look at the film, and you're like, okay, this guy ain't half bad, right? So and that brings me to the running back position. Mm. So all 22 starters are back. That makes that 32, number 32 pick. It can be best player available. But one of your discussions on Twitter was about the running back position and how you want to have a running back that can do both run the ball well and catch the ball well. And mm -hmm. I want you to discuss the argument that you kind of proposed and people were like, Oh, that's crazy. That's hogwash. Go ahead and divulge into that. Well, I mean, you just, you, you, you look at the running back group that the bucks currently have. I mean, you have two running backs that are going to be free agents next year, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, and you have Keyshawn Vaughn coming back and, that's pretty much it, you know? So do you think Keyshawn is going to be your future? Again, that remains to be seen, you know, really hasn't had much of an opportunity. Does he take another step? But 
running back in this draft, I mean, I, I just like to have a guy that can do everything. And when you look across the league, I pointed this out on Twitter. I was like, a lot of guys can catch the football and they can also run decently. Again, you don't have to be elite at any, you know, any part of that. You can be good enough. And, uh, you know, again, the running back, it doesn't have to be elite position in this league anymore because, you know, it's just not, it's not count upon as much as it used to be. Again, it's still the passing game dominates this league. So if you can have a running back that can catch the football and, and still be good enough inside the tackles and do some things that way, I think it's a big advantage for you. I mean, you just look at what, you know, James Robinson did for Jacksonville again, and not a great running back, you know, good running back that can do multiple things. He can catch the football. He can run. Um, you look at um, the okay. guy out in hmm? Miles Gaskin out of Miami. Yeah, Miles Gaskin, Kenyon Drake for Arizona that we you know just had Jess Root on. Um, you know, you look at the 49ers, like Mozart, you know, that guy can run and catch. And, you know, so there's a lot of backs out there that can do these things. Um people you know. hung up thinking if you can catch the ball, you got to be elite. Like no. going around were like Zeke, Saquon Barkley uh Kamara and McCaffrey I'm like yeah those guys are the elite of the elite I don't want those guys right we're not, we're not asking for that plus I'm looking for a guy that can just catch the ball when asked to consistently and can run the ball as well well I'm not mm. saying I'm not looking to pay obviously this team is not built to just always oh, pound it down in the middle of the field every time we're we're looking to push the ball I mean yeah run the ball well we're not looking to just a guy that can break five tackles and then take it down. We're not looking for Derrick Henry's, put it that way. <laughs> we were getting hung up. It was the same thing of the Donovan Smith talk. Like, mm. oh, it sucks. Just because he doesn't dominate every rep does not mean a guy sucks. We're looking at right. a guy that can do the basics of what a position should do. Yeah, so, absolutely. And and when you get into the draft, and, and that's why I think they are going to draft one because they're going to need – you know, yeah, I like Felton as well. I think he's a guy that can do those kind of things. You look at Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Carter Jr., you know, Javante Williams, if they do want to take one early, if they trade back or if they do take him at 32, you know, so there's plenty of options there. You know, Kylan Hill is another one that I'm going to look into, um, you know, so there's there's plenty of guys out there, um, but and, and that's why we discussed with Rojo and obviously we, we love Rojo, but he just hasn't been consistent you know, catching the football at all. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're showing highlights of him making big plays, catching the football, but you know, that's far few in between. Um, and, and yeah, he's a great runner when he's healthy. Um, so it, it just comes down to, are they going to extend him? We don't know that yet. So obviously there's going to be a running back taken at some point, whether that's early, late, you know, middle rounds, it, it's going to happen. Uh, so in the chat, so, can't pronounce this. Jermalafi XO says we have those guys. Speaking of running backs, we don't need a running back. Back. <laughs> All right, so let's go over this. So, oh, we got Tom Brady. I don't think we need a quarterback. I'm pretty sure he just means for the future. Now, uh, I, I agree with him in that aspect. I don't see us drafting a quarterback unless it's day three. Day three, you know, later on. So his credit. Okay, we have Fournette back. Yes, who can catch and run. He's a typical guy that, yeah, he can mm -hmm. do everything. Yeah, but he's been inconsistent as well. Yeah, especially running the ball. Especially, mm -hmm. It's not like we forgot about all that. Uh, yes, he's playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny, but did he get that nickname during the regular season? Hell no. Mm -hmm. People, I'm surprised that they stuck with him for that long. But, hey, he, he did it when he really needed it. But the thing is, like Mike said, we're going to have both those guys are in contract years. Are we going to extend one of those big money? Rojo is going to want a big contract. He's never had a big contract. So he's going to want that. Fournette, how many more years is he going to want to do this? If if Brady and Gronk retire, he ain't going to come back here. <laughs> so that leaves you with Keyshawn Vaughn. So yeah. I guarantee those guys, two guys are gone. Is Vaughn going to be your bell cow and no one behind him and you just draft another rookie? I I don't think so. Yeah. I think you're going to have I to mean, they, they could, they could wait till next year to, to, you know, obviously reload at that position, but you know, it, it's still a risk, you know, you could bypass, you know, running back in the rounds and maybe pick up like an undrafted back. Um, so I, there's options. I mean, they could definitely do that, but I don't know if they want to, you know, put themselves in that position, you know, quite yet. I mean, I think they want to add at least another one to the group. 
to be honest though, that word need, mm-hmm. it, there's not much of a need anywhere along the line or along mm-hmm. the depth chart as, as well. I mean, if right, anything, yeah. it's been defensive line. That's why we have so many like film studies of defensive linemen. I mean, behind JPP and Shaq, there's nothing. The It's just bare. Okay. So and JPP is on his last contract or last year of his contract. How much more his knee is going to take? You don't know. And then Shaq, yeah, you got one guy for around four years. Let's see. Like, is there going to be a compliment to him? Is there another guy that Vita Vea goes down? No. I mean, it was huge for us. And Sue, he's borderline retired already. So he was debating coming back or not. So, I mean, that to us is the biggest area of need for the future. But that's, that's what we're trying to push towards you. I mean, that's why we always talk to you guys and figure out some things. Yeah, I, I think when you uh, when you look at it, you know, obviously they're in a position where they can attack future needs. So you look at guys that are up for contracts, you know, you look at interior offensive line, you look at running back, you look at, you know, obviously defensive line because of Indomitian and Sue and JPP. So when you look at those positions, I think they want to attack those this year. So they have those guys to develop and, and especially with you know, off season that it's going to be with COVID and everything. You want those guys in the building um, sooner, the better. Uh, So you have guys in place to take over for those said positions. If those guys leave, if you can't re-sign them back, you know, same thing with corner and and Carlton Davis. Like if if they're prepared to let him go, you know, you you might want a corner in place to, you know, take his spot. So, you know, I, I think that's where, you know, they have to look at, and that's why they might prior toward, you know, make this, those positions priority because, you know, they're free agents and you have contracts that they might not be able to resign, even if, even with the, you know, the salary cap going up as it is. Then again, Tom Brady could be gone. Gronk could be gone. That's a lot of money leaving the books. So, well, Brady's, Brady's going to be here for next season. I mean, he's already committed. Um, yeah, I mean, after that, I mean, after 2022, yeah, then you have to look at quarterback. So they'll probably look at a quarterback next year, maybe with a, you know, maybe next year's class is better and maybe they have a better chance to pick a quarterback earlier because they have the positions that are needs, you know, said needs this year already locked up. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, either way, the team's locked up. They they proved they can win a Super Bowl with these 22. Might as well run it back and see if we can do it again, but even better with, Year, a year of experience and now your training camp, hopefully BAC is going to kick the bleeping shit out of him or whatever. I don't know what he said exactly, but it's been all over the news right now. But uh, right, there's a lot of talk in the chat about trading up in the draft. <laughs> Guy loves Micah Parsons. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah. I don't see us moving up that quite far. You I mean, you probably have to move into like the fifth top 15 to get Micah Parsons or at least top 18. So I don't I don't see that as a possible scenario. I don't think they want to trade future picks right now. I mean, unless they're going for a quarterback, and I don't think that's going to happen either. So I don't think you should, don't pull a Packers. Don't, don't. Yeah. yeah, or a Saints. I mean, you don't trade up for Marcus Davenport. So if it, if it's if you're trading up for someone, it's someone that's you know it's a home run in your book. I mean, mm. it got should not be like like when the Cowboys trade up for like Des Bryant years ago. I was like, why the hell is he still there? Like stuff like that. We're like, what? Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, I don't yeah. see, I see us more trading back than. Trading. Right. Yeah. Unless like Jalen Phillips is like two, three picks away. Like he's like right there. Maybe we move up and go get him. But I don't see us moving farther than that. Like I don't see us making a move where it costs us like a future first, you know, maybe like a, you know, a third round pick we're willing to give up to move up a couple of spots. I could see, but. But even with that, like, so you're going to trade for someone, you're going to trade up for someone that's not really going to play much. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, so you're better off waiting. Because, like, and realistically, so if you're thinking trade up, get get your guy, you're going to trade away picks for next year, especially if you're moving up that high. You're probably giving up a first next year, if not a second. Like, who is it that's so valuable that you need that's going to contribute and make this team even better? And it is yeah. right I mean, I wouldn't reach for running back at all. I would not trade up for running back. No, 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 no. I mean, there's really no spots. I mean, can't really. The only position you could potentially upgrade, and even though this guy played, I mean, he played his ass off and he played well, is is maybe Alex Kappa. But 
that's about it. I mean, you know, JPP, Shaq Barrett, they don't go off the field. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's many replacement spots to be had. That's for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, so I just remove that from your head. I mean, let's just be honest. So, mm-hmm. They fall to 15, but 32 to 15 is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're talking multiple first round picks. So let's go clear that out of the head. But I mean, mm-hmm. my thing is running back, if at 32 and, it, and it's Najee Harris, ETN, okay, possibly uh, Williams of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That That's if BA loves him that much because it helped. Right. He was drafted uh, Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson over Antoine Winfield last year. Let's think about right. it. Literally, he yeah. did that publicly. So, yeah. And make, that's probably why they're looking at, like, you know, Felton and Gainwell because they're similar players, you know, and, and could be had later for sure. I mean, it's just that's another reason why we're kind of looking at a lot of pass catching running backs. It's not just this year's moving forward and how Brady can use these guys. He loves doing it. Rojo, yeah, you saw his KC touchdown, blah, blah, blah. But I can also make a whole bunch of low light clips of him dropping balls mm. and, like, Balls hit him in the hand or balls where he gave it to the other team because he couldn't catch it or tipped it into the other team's hands. So, I yeah. mean, you can do highlight, low light, and anyone and make them look really good or really bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. That's not on the field ever. But, yeah. I mean, oh, wait, let's see. Maybe PTSD from Mark Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, uh, I mean, it's it's, it's – Ideas. This is running ideas through. Yeah, everyone's Just, got an opinion. Yeah, but thirty-two to fifteen—that that is really high. You're giving mm-hmm. up. Uh, oh, this is funny. Antoine Woodfield over Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wonder what. Uh, I wonder what he thinks about Jason o- Owe or you know that yeah. so he's talking about Michael Parsons so much. Must be yeah. a Penn State guy. I don't know. <laughs> Jason Oway on the on the on on the way, guys. Yeah, on the way. <laughs> Wonder, <laughs> wonders what we we have coming up. Yeah, a lot of a lot of running backs, more defensive line. Uh, what we we're kind of touching on. That's why we. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're just trying to see what fits. I mean, this is draft season. We're just talking it up left and right. The Bucks aren't really doing anything free agency, so let's sit pretty and see who who we're gonna take. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're 30 days away from this, so we're going to try to put as many videos as we can out uh, during that time. I think we're already over multiple videos. I think we're over 10, 15, whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's been fun. And it's just it's cool seeing the back and forth on the comments. Uh, so we appreciate that. Uh, if you guys haven't already, I know there's you know only 15 people, but please uh, give us a like for for this content. Also, if you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to subscribe. Uh, we appreciate. I think everyone's probably watching the basketball right now. That's probably why we're you know not many people in here, but we do appreciate the ones who are. Um, again, Fukuwa, always awesome, or Braden, I should say. Braden, thank you very much for that. Yeah, so oh. you're you're the man, and. You know, the the new people in here appreciate it. Uh, Bud Cannibalist always in here talking it up. So uh, thank you for, for watching and, and providing your support. Oh, other than that, guys, yeah, go watch your basketball. Enjoy it. Sign up for Symbol if you haven't. It helps support the channel as well. And it's really cool. I mean, I'll probably do a little show on how to buy a, a buck stock and everything. It's cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, I bought it when it was like $30. It's like $45 now. So check that guy, check that out, guys. Links in the description. Other than that, guys, enjoy your night. And until the next one, next Monday. Yes, go Bucks.